Okay, let's pray together. Uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your faithfulness and your goodness that you came into our mess um, and you, you didn't leave us there, but called us to follow you. So Lord, we pray at this time that you would speak in ways that we can hear you, that you would draw us more closely to yourself. And Lord, we pray that uh, you would be glorified in your church and that uh, we would be the blessing you've called us to be in your name. Amen. Okay, well, um, <laughs> there was a weird thing that happened with the coming of my generation and the generation that followed me um, with the idea of truth. Because I think with the, with the boomers, you're pretty happy with reason and logic, that if you wanted to make your point, you would use logic and just go through the, the whole thing and that would be that. Uh, but with my generation, they wanted more than just cold, hard logic. They wanted to know, does it work? Can you really claim this? Have you experienced it to be true? And if you could make all the arguments and everything, and yet your life wasn't changed by the reality, then it was useless. It was just facts, not really doing anything. And in Jesus' day, if you made a really important claim about something... They would want proof as well, but it wouldn't be logic, and it wouldn't be experience. It would be a miraculous sign. And so Jesus, when he was claiming to be a Messiah and what he was doing, they wanted some proof. And the problem was is that they didn't like what Jesus was saying about himself. Last week we looked at the vision of what Jesus had to say, and just a little refresher here. Um, Jesus claimed this of himself. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to pr proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That was Jesus' vision of what he, how he saw himself and what he came to do. Now, in this latter half of the same passage, we look at this, the condition of people's hearts. And they were pretty upset because not that Jesus was saying basically, hey, I'm the one you've been waiting for, I'm the Messiah, but the fact that he omitted something really important. They wanted vengeance. They wanted payback for how they had been treated. And that was the state of their heart. Um, the state of, of our society's heart right now is very divided. Um, but we, we've watched, I don't know if you're watching the news of what's happening in Ottawa right now. Uh, but they, they claim that this is a, a rally for freedom and that this is all good. What I see on the news is not freedom. I see anarchy. I see very, very concerning things that put my wants and my desires ahead and before of everyone else. And there's something very, very concerning about, about the images that we see there. So when we think about what's the state of the heart of the audience of the gospel today, we need to recognize something. Um, there is a poison in our society of self-centeredness, that it's all about me. It's, it, we hear it in advertisements. We hear it all about, you know, this is about my rights, my freedom. And, and if I'm going to get anything out of life, I have to assert my self as opposed to anyone else. Um, when you hear self-care, put up a flag and say, whoop, there's something wrong there. Not that you know, you're not important, but self-care focuses on yourself as opposed to everyone else. 
And where we as Christians are called to live and act and move is in soul care, who we are in relation to everyone else, to our creator first and foremost, to our neighbor uh, and, to, and to the rest of creation. So when we look at the, the passage today, um, I just want to highlight a few of the things that, that are, are coming out here. Um, all right, so uh, Jesus began by saying, uh, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Some spoke well of him, but others were amazed at his gracious words. I always read that and thought people were just amazed at Jesus' eloquence. What a speaker, they thought. But actually what amazes them and astounds them is the fact that Jesus is not pronouncing a day for, for retribution, a day to kick the Romans out of Nazareth. Right? This is a, a day where, where you know, they're finally going to get their due. And one of, the, one of the problems with Jesus' audience is that they were the chosen. <laughs> and that they were chosen for a purpose, to bring God's blessing to the rest of the world. But the way it became twisted was, we are favored more than any other people group. We're the ones that are going to rule in might and power. And that, that misunderstanding really warped who they truly were. And the same thing can happen to us. If we think that everything is about me and my fulfillment and, and, and my development as, as a person over and above anything else, what happens is that we start interpreting Jesus in a way that creates him in our own image. It happens all the time. It's something we need to be very, very careful of and aware of. Um, that's why having a global church is so helpful, because when you have a Christian who lives in a very different culture, it sort of shocks you out of your comfort zone and, and lifts some of your blinders. It's, it's really helpful to speak with someone uh, from from away. <laughs> um, so they, they're, they're asking this question. They're amazed at him and they say, isn't this Joseph's son? Doesn't he get it? Doesn't he know what it's like to live like us? Why would he pronounce peace and restoration when he knows how bad it is here? How could Jesus do that? And when we, when we have our own sensibilities that have been formed by our culture and our experiences, it's very easy to say, well, Jesus, of course he's on my side with this issue. And it's actually something that we need to call, actually challenge ourselves on. Am I following Jesus here? Or am I asking Jesus to take my lead? It's a humbling thing to consider. Um, but it's something that we need to for our own health. Um then, then Jesus goes on to say, uh, now you're going to ask me to prove it, right? You want some proof. And so you're going to say, prove it to us. Heal your own community. Physician, heal yourself. We, saw, we heard you do amazing signs in Capernaum. Uh, we want to see it here. Prove it to us. You prove yourself to me. <laughs> and, uh, and Jesus basically says, no, I'm not dancing for you. Uh, you are the ones to follow me. And he has this... This, these two very shocking pronouncements of what he says. Now, when I, when I was a kid, I had a, a phrase whenever I had to take out the garbage or clean the room or whenever something didn't go my way, and the phrase was this. Why me? Why me? Why is this happening to me? And 
one day my mother responded with, why not you? What makes you so special? And that hurt my feelings because I was her baby boy, right? This is just, hello. But that's the question is it's not about us. When we are baptized, we are baptized into the name of Jesus, into the Trinity. And we join a movement that is beyond us. But when we think, when we reduce our faith to, I need more peace in my life, or I need more joy, or I need this, we focus on the gifts instead of the gift giver. We focus on ourselves in the center and what we want over and above what our master is calling us to do. And when we remove Jesus from the center, it doesn't mean that he's powerless to do anything. He continues doing what he's doing. The problem is we're left behind. So Jesus gives these two examples of Elijah, uh, who's, you know, lived with a widow in, in um, Zarephath. And he says there's lots of people there that didn't get God's favor, despite the fact that they were Jewish. God was doing something wonderful there, but God had been removed from the center of the heart of Israel. And again, with Elisha, um, you know, not only did, did uh, God clear a, a, a heal a Gentile of leprosy, but of one of the generals. The Assyrians were a brutal, brutal army. And God healed one of their leaders in the army. And that just would have really ticked off Jesus' audience. How could God possibly do that? We're the chosen. We're favored. It's about me. Well, no, it's not. It's all about Jesus and about his vision for healing and restoration in the world. And when we put ourselves in the center, we miss out on what God is doing. And it's really important for us at that point to recognize it, to turn around, to repent and say, Use me, Lord, reign in my life, that I may be the blessing you've called me to be. Uh, over the years, I've been, I've been a, 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 a Christian, an Anglican since I was born. <laughs> uh, and, and I have seen people over the, over the years leave the faith, dis, dis, dissatisfied with the faith. And some of the people were hurt, and some of the people were, were not. They were bored. And I ask myself, were they really living the life or were they living for peace? Were they living for joy or something other than the movement of Jesus? Because I know, I know for myself, when I am like actively engaged with what Jesus is doing, it's so exciting. I want to keep going. But when I, when I take my eyes off of Jesus and look at the fallenness of the church or the society around us, I get discouraged pretty quickly. So Jesus, reign in us, be the center, let us live for you, and let your glory be reflected in how, how we follow you. Um, <clears throat> so the people asked for a miracle, and Jesus said he basically couldn't, and yet there is kind of a miracle here, isn't there? There's a mob that forms, and they're intent on killing Jesus, and, and they can't. They can't get a hold of him. Are there any people here who uh, watch the Matrix movies? Any? Yeah? If you don't know what the Matrix movies are about, it's about people who are living in a, in a false reality. And this guy here, Keanu Reeves, plays a character named Neo who wakes up from the lie 
and is intent on on uh, on waking other people up from the lie too. Now, Keanu Reeves was in an interview because I just released, I think, the fourth movie, and he was talking to a little girl about about uh, about what the movies were all about, and he said, you know, it's about waking up from the lie so that you can embrace reality. And, uh, and, and she goes, why? And he goes, because what's real is important. And she goes, being real doesn't matter. It's whether or not you enjoy it. <laughs> and Keanu Reeves was stunned by that. And then he thought, what a profound and awesome statement. Now, when I heard that, I thought, what a tragic statement. Because the truth does matter. Why does it matter? Well, not only for our safety, but when you look at Scripture and Jesus describes himself as the way, the truth, and the life. If we want to engage with Jesus, we need to care about what is true and what is real. We can't live in, in uh, this. Uh, we can delude ourselves so easily about what's really important, but that's, that's the truth. So my friends, I want to encourage us to take time this week and to say, Jesus, are there areas in my life where I've walked away from your truth to entertain my own version of truth? That I've focused on myself instead of you? Because the whole point of, of the Christian message is to put self to the side in order to place Jesus in the middle and to reflect God's character to the world around us. That's how we become agents of healing and restoration in this world that so desperately needs it. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you were so courageous when you went to your people and shared the truth with them. Please give us your courage that we might um, live for you, that we might proclaim the reason for our hope and our joy and that you may reign in us. And Lord, we pray that you would use us to further your kingdom in this world. We pray for all the areas that are, are struggling at this time. And uh, Lord, we ask that you would bring your healing, bring your kingdom, and Lord, use us to reflect your, your glory. In Jesus' name do we pray. Amen. <laughs>